Hi, friends. Hello, should I delete that, listeners? We still have some tickets left for our live tour and we would absolutely love to see you there. On Thursday, the 23rd of May, we will be performing in the London Islington Assembly Hall. On Monday, the 27th of May, we will be in Salford. On Tuesday, the 28th of May, we'll be in Glasgow. Sunday, the 2nd of June, Birmingham. Monday, the 3rd of June, Bristol. And Tuesday, the 4th of June in Southampton. You can get your tickets at aegpresents.co.uk or via the link in the show notes or our Instagram bios. We really hope we see you there. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And there's that kind of classic meme of anything you can do, I can do bleeding, which, you know, is true. And we can do those things and we do do those things. But are there times when it would be better for us not to? Hello and welcome to Should I Delete That? I'm Em Clarkson. And I'm Daisy Grant. Joined again by producer Daisy. How are you doing, Daisy? Yeah, I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. I had a hot chocolate at lunch, so like life life is good, you know? Life is sweet. Life is peak. Love that. How are you? I'm good. I've got so many goods, I'm going to get into them. Yeah, please. I want to hear all about them. Okay, two colossal goods overshadowed last minute by a a late coming and overwhelmingly superior third first one my daughter turned one years old second one i met my co-host and great friend's baby boy today all trumped by the fact that i just got home to a parcel i got a stanley cup (laughs) have you not seen the news that they might have lead in them (laughs) oh what (laughs) that's your awkward oh no i'm so excited no i just i saw it very briefly somewhere today so i could be saying fake news but that is so funny you better be but they were surviving a car fire so like you know who's winning exactly do they survive a car burglary that's what i want to know that's more my level i highly doubt it someone is going to break in for that so don't leave it in the car unattended they break in anyway i mean the the lesson there for me is to start locking my car but i'm very excited so i've got this i've got my stanley i know that i'm i know that i'm a i'm a marketer's dream and like I'm the reason that the world's burning. Like I'm a capitalist nightmare. I'm a monster. I just, it's so beautiful. And everybody on Instagram had them. To be fair, I don't, I don't know if I've seen you with like a water bottle before. You'll never see me with a plastic water bottle. I've got this horrifyingly yeah. ugly purple thing that I found on Amazon. Yeah. Le- yeah. Because hydration stations, I drink at least five litres of water a day. This is good. Yeah. You won't catch me with a plastic water bottle unless I'm very, very desperate. Babies. Schmabies. It's all about the Stanley Cup. I'm loving exactly. it. Exactly. Baby Schmabies. Okay, on a serious level, let me just go through it. Um, yeah, yeah, my please. daughter turned one. So amazing. Like, it's been the most intense week of my life. I was so emotional on her birthday eve. It was an actual, I couldn't believe it. I didn't expect it, but I sobbed. Yeah. I wept. I felt so many things. I didn't even know it was possible to feel that many things. That was a lot. And then today I got to go down, because I was in Japan, so it's been so long, so he's four weeks old today. But I got to go down. Um, 
and meet baby Tommy and see Al oh and God. Dave. And I've missed her so much. Like, it's yeah. like, I think we forget, like, how, I think I certainly forgot, like, how much time me and Alex spend together. Like, yes. not just doing the pod, but, like, recording, working, meetings, like, You see speaking. each other all the time, yeah. We talk to each other all day, every day. And then mm. there's just been silence. I mean, not silence, but there's just, you know, it's she's in her bubble and as she should be and we're not talking about work and... I've just missed her so much. So it's such we had such a great day. That's actually really nice because there's there's not often an opportunity for you to not talk about work, right? Yeah. So this is wonderful for you guys. I'm loving it for you. It was so great, honestly. I was just having the loveliest day. Like I'm so obsessed. So um I want to meet so, him yeah. so bad. He looks oh, gorgeous. He's so gorgeous. Like God. Like I can't. I was literally just like, oh god, there are my ovaries just exploding. Uh oh. And Arlo loved him. Her little yeah. toy boy. Yeah, it's just joy. <gasps> Oh my god, true. Arlo and Tommy together forever. I love it. I know. Okay, tell me something good. Oh, I. You know what? I I was like, hot chocolate for lunch. That's it. It was great. It was fantastic. (laughs) What a treat. I had more than that for lunch. I also had a really good sandwich. So life's sweet, baby. Lunch is such an underrated meal. I just love it so much. It's really good. And when you like, so good. It was really last minute as well. I was like, let's go out and get a pasty. You know, let's do lunch Mm. to my to my partner. I was like, this will be really good. And then to my partner, everyone knows it's Daisy. Anyway, (laughs) um, I was like, actually, we've got some bloody salami and we've got some salami in the fridge we've got bread we've got the whole shebang let's just make a delicious sandwich so that's my good i suppose how dull but whatever no 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 no. it is it's great enjoy the little things thank they're, they're, you you know lots of little things make a happy life or something they do they all add up don't they um, don't have they? you got any bads no i'm not allowing myself bads i guess i guess if i had if i had to have bad it would be the fact that i'm not sleeping but I don't even, I don't even care. Like I just, it's been such an amazing uh, roller coaster of a week, but it's, I mean, like, it's all good. It's, it's all a good lot of emotions me. been going on. You had Japan, which has messed up loads of things. And then yeah, it's a lot. It's just the fact that she's won. I just can't believe it. Like that's kind of bad, but it's also so amazing. Like I just felt like, I don't know. I felt like when I was putting her to bed, it was like, I was just closing a chapter on all the people that we've been this year and that's so yeah. intense but then you kept actually, her when... alive i know for a whole year i know but then this morning we woke up and today's the day after her birthday and everything's the same and i was like oh thank god for that like it kind of felt like it should have been some massive monumental like she's won now you know what i mean yeah. like it's over she's not a baby anymore but she's yeah. exactly the same person that she was so it's fine i was just being dramatic which is yeah. so unlike me <laughs> I'm so pleased. I, you know what? I'm gonna go with you. I'm, I'm gonna stay on this like I don't have any bads train. Let's keep it that way. Fab, it's yeah, all fab, good. Fab it's all good this week. I, maybe this should just be the GA. Maybe we don't do bads anymore. Maybe we don't. Maybe do in Al's absence, we just scrap badness. We just go for toxic positivity. Listen, sometimes you guys don't even have a good. So I don't want to keep. <laughs> I don't want to make it permanent. But <laughs> they <laughs> are she'll good. come back and be like, "What in the name of rainbows and clouds is this shit?" <laughs> Get it up. I um, hate this. <laughs> how about your awkwards? Oh, God. Okay, well, awkwards? Awkward... I put an S on the end. I don't know. Awkward. Okay, so obviously it's just me and my entire essence. Like, I am the awkward. I am so awkward. I, um... I've decided. I decided the other night when I was lying in bed, I was like, oh my God, I would love to be able to do a handstand. Like, all I want is to do a handstand. Like, I just, how cool would that be? Just to be able to like, just do a handstand. Like, I can't wheel. Like, I just think it's amazing. And I just kept thinking to myself, I was like, little girls can do this. Like, you can do it. You can yeah. do it. So the next day I was like, I'm just going to go to the gym and I'm just going to try it. Like, 
Why Surely. in the gym in public with the cafe? We've seen the cafe. Have you seen my house? Yeah, we have seen the cafe. But there is no space in this house. I need you a wall do to do it, it up room. again. You'd, yeah, you'd no. whack your feet on the wall. I've got yeah. no space. I, I live yeah. in a London property and I have a baby. Like, what do, what do you want from me? There's no space yeah. for a handstand. So I was like, I'll go to the gym. It's padded floor. Like, that felt good. I just thought it would be good. Obviously... You're right. It's the middle of a cafe. It's a busy public gym and I can't do a handstand. So why? Why did I go? Why I love your I enthusiasm though. I love it that you were just well, like, I can do it. I, well, obviously I can't, but I did that yeah. fun thing that people do where you, you try something, fail at it, get incredibly awkward that you failed. So then you have to just go and do something that you can do. So like <laughs> I can do, I can do headstands. So it's like, I tried the handstands for a while and then like when I couldn't do them, I got awkward and I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go back to where I'm safe. Hey guys, and I just did hand headstands for ages. So I literally just went to the gym and did like two headstands and then went home. <laughs> I feel like that is the awkward itself. Not even like... <laughs> but you went, I was like, I went to the gym today, did two headstands, came home. And then That's came it. Home. I so I'm going to... I'm going to practice. So you have... But you have to keep going to the gym and doing it there. Yeah. Oh no, I found some handstand classes. Oh my God. Is that all you do for an hour? Mm-hmm. I don't have them there for, but yeah. It's so. a lot of time, isn't it? I'm very nervous. I'm super apprehensive. I haven't signed up yet because I'm a bit scared, but I think it might be good for me. Are they at your gym? Yeah, I just think it'd be really good. I just feel like, I just feel like girls, little kids can do it. And I just want my inner child out. I know? feel that. Can you cartwheel? No. And I wish oh, I could. I, I taught myself quite recently as well. That's what I want and to it, do. That's what I want to do. It's really fun. So yeah, no, exactly. I, I'm feeling this. It looks this. incredibly liberating. And I just, yeah. like I've always wanted to be the kind of person that could just like frolic across a field. Yeah. So like, woo, cartwheel. <laughs> you are that kind of person, actually. I feel like... I agree. You, yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I just feel like I need to put my money where my mouth is. I love it. How, how expensive is... How expensive are these classes? I don't want to talk about it. I, this is an investment in my future. <laughs> it's frivolity, not the not the currency. I don't know. You just... <laughs> <laughs> I want her to respect me. I want her to adore me. And I, and I don't want her to be better than me at stuff. And I know she will be. Because soon enough she'll be cartwheeling through the garden. And I'll be like, not that I'm a competitive mum. But I just don't want to be left behind in like my old age. Do you know what I mean? And be like, oh, the boring, oh, mums can't do. Because dad can, fucking in CrossFit, Alex is doing handstand press-ups. So he's going to be cool action dad. You're still a young mum. You're still a teen mum. So like, you know. Teen mum. You're a teen mum, so you can I'm do I'm going to start moving like one. Yeah, I would. Watch me. Thanks. Okay. Well, have we got an interview? In, oh, I always do the Australian accent with you. Interview. Well, <laughs> it's not appropriate because you're actually Australian and I'm sorry. Now uh, we've got d- an interview today. We... Okay, yeah. Well, do you want to introduce us? By all means. Okay. We've got an interview today with Maisie Hill, who is an expert in reproductive health. Um, she has a book called Period Power and another book called Perimenopause Power. And it was so interesting to hear about the way that she like harnesses her menstrual cycle, her periods to work for her. And she coaches other women to do the same. Agree. Subsequently, since recording this episode, I have re-downloaded Natural Cycles. I am back like on the period tracking knowledge is power train and I'm really enjoying it. I love it. And like, it's funny that you mentioned natural cycles because obviously I'm gay, but I've been tracking my period for like two years or something. And it's just great. It ha- I- I- obviously it has nothing to do with reproduction because that's not going to happen 
by mistake but it's so interesting yeah. and well that's it this, this is this is that that actually is a really good point about how bad sexual education is that we're, or even the just the conversation around this that when we talk about women's health we do it in the context of contraception and that's pretty much the end of it and you're like you know mm-hmm. even just saying they're like oh well, i don't need it for contraception but i just want to learn about my body and it's like surely that should be the other way around exactly but such is the patriarchy so on that note <laughs> here is an interview we hope you enjoy love you guys Hi, Maisie. Hi. Guys, we have Maisie Hill in today, who is an expert in menstrual health and the author of Period Power, which is an incredible book that demystifies and breaks down our menstrual cycle to enable us to work with our hormones rather than against them by like either harnessing the power of them while also identifying when we're not feeling our best, which to me at least feels really revolutionary because I think there is so much confusion and misunderstanding around our menstrual cycles. And the reality I believe is that most of us just don't really know what's going on or why. And we've all heard of like PMT, PMS, and know that like a couple of weeks before our periods, like we feel a bit shit. But generally we're not sure why and we don't understand the other seasons that you call them we're going to get into into that um of the menstrual cycle around that and reading your book I was struck by how little I knew and understood about my cycle and I think I actually felt a bit sad that I'd gone for so long really like berating myself for things like fluctuating energy and fluctuating motivation I never understood that hormones played such a key role in those things and I would really be so hard on myself and so frustrated in myself for lacking in both when all along there was like a perfectly reasonable physiological explanation anyway on to you really excited to talk to you I don't really know where to start because we have so much to talk about, but I think it would be good to know how you ended up becoming an expert in menstrual health and discovering so much about periods and hormones. Yeah. Well, I think just to pick up on what you just said about it being revolutionary, I think it's just revolutionary to even have this conversation at all. So I really appreciate you both having me on to actually have it and and chat about all the things which we are going to get onto. So my background is in women's reproductive health. So I um, started out over 20 years ago working as a practitioner, um, doing reflexology, aromatherapy, and then eventually um, getting my degree in Chinese medicine acupuncture. And I was also working as a birth doula. So one way or another, Uh, my professional life became all about um, wombs and ovaries and hormones, whether that was helping people with their um, cycle-related issues or fertility, um, pregnancy, perimenopause support. It was just all about women's health effectively. Um, But at the same time as like exploring that professionally, it was very much rooted in my own personal struggles because from um, when I first got my period um, in my teens and into my 20s, I had really debilitating period pain. And it was my exploration of that and trying to find things that were actually going to help me apart from chucking loads of painkillers down my throat, which I'm not averse to doing. I certainly got through on plenty of painkillers. But 
it was really trying to find solutions to my own period pain that kind of got me um, more and more curious about the menstrual cycle, about the impact of hormones and, you know, my personal and professional lives just kind of all came together and here we are 20 years later. <laughs> but was there a reason for your um, severe period pains like endometriosis or PCOS? No, there wasn't. So the where I got to in terms of the kind of standard medical investigations, you know, I'd had um, scans, had pelvic examinations, etc. And it got to the point where the doctor was like, well, you know, kind of reached the limit of what we can investigate um, this side right. of things without kind of, um, you know, doing investigative surgery to actually see if it's something like endometriosis that's causing the issue. And so it had gotten to that point and I was like, is am I am I there yet? Am I there at that point where I'm up for doing this? And it was kind of at that point where I thought, well, I'll just go like full throttle into checking out other things and, you know, um, just before taking that step. And it was bizarrely at that time when I broke up with um, like a long-term relationship came to an end. And the period I had after leaving him was pain-free. Like there was just no pain. What I like broke up with him, ended it. It was like such a big thing. But then my period pain just completely went away for that period. I was like, what? And it was like, and it was just that all happened around the same time. And I was like, well, if there was no pain then, then maybe it's actually about other things. And certainly in terms of Chinese medicine and, you know, the kind of non-standard way of looking at health in terms of um, being here in the West, there's all sorts of other things that come into it, including, um, you know, stress, suppression of emotions, you know, harboring resentment and frustration and anger and, you know, being over responsible for everyone else in your life and, you know, never having a minute to yourself and all the unpaid labour and emotional labour that we as women tend to be doing. And so really, when I addressed all of those things, along with having acupuncture and herbs and supplements, my period pain just went and I didn't need to do anything else. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's, can I ask like, was it, was it so as simple as like the next month it was, continued to be pain free and, or was it, did it take you a while after that initial pain free period for you to kind of work out the process and work out what was working for you? So for me, it was like, literally I broke up with him and, you know, my next period was pain free, but that and it didn't, but then the one after that, it was like, there was some pain mm. and the, the kind of, so the pain was there, the, but it was like that moment of like nothing. And then it kind of came back, but it was enough for me to believe that it was possible for me to have pain-free periods, yeah, which kind of gave me the belief and momentum to be really committed to showing up to acupuncture and taking the yeah. supplements every day and all of those things. And, you know, eight, 12 weeks of doing that. And I was able to stop doing all those things. And I haven't had painful periods since. And that was wow. well over a decade ago now. Yeah. Isn't that remarkable that there's this sort of, that you were able to kind of find it in yourself and and work this out yourself 
and kind of believed that there was hope. Whereas that's such a stark contradiction to the way that we are always taught, the way we always talk about periods and the way that the healthcare system talks about period, which is always just, oh, well, it's just part of being a woman. It's just one of those things. Like it's like pain's inevitable and pain is mandatory. Pain is just part of the female condition or the the human condition for those who have wombs. Yeah. And it's mad that you just had this moment that was just like, oh, I hang on, <laughs> maybe everything's a lie and I can actually... Yeah, well, I think it's that acceptance that's a problem, right? Of just thinking, yeah. oh, this is part and parcel of having a uterus and having a menstrual cycle is that you have all these other things that go alongside it. And, you know, that can be acceptance in terms of... um like our personal experience of things or what we're told by other people, including medical professionals. So, you know, there's huge acceptance within the medical profession that this is normal, that this is a normal experience of having a cycle is that it's going to be painful. And yes, painful periods, pain throughout the cycle is common, but that doesn't mean it's normal or that we should accept it. So, you know, whether it's someone's, um, you know, personal realisation of, oh, this isn't something I want to accept or put up with, I'm going to try and do things to improve it, or whether that's your doctor refusing to accept it and saying, yeah, let's actually, you know, get you booked in to see a gynaecologist and have appropriate investigations and treatment. So it's not like there has to be, you know, one way of going about things or that the things that I did for me would be um, exactly what someone else needed. I'm sure the things that I did would help most people, but there's other things um, that come into menstrual health that are going to be beneficial and necessary as well. But I think it does start off with us just being like, no, not going to put up with it, that. Yeah. In terms of like practical stuff that people listening who do suffer from really painful periods can take away, what what is there on offer then? So you mentioned acupuncture, um, which obviously some people may not be able to afford. I guess there's supplements as well, right? Yeah. What's, what specific su- supplements? Uh, there, there's so many um, that can help and there's lots that yeah. are listed in the book. But really, mm. I would say, you know, we can talk about affordability and accessibility of treatments and things like this, which for sure is an issue. But often what I find is people are going off to, you know, their local health food store and taking a pun on, oh, I'll try this and I'll try that. And they're kind of spending money anyway. And I think it's just always so much better if you can speak to a practitioner one on one and get recommendations that are specific to your situation and your health. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yes, going to see a practitioner does cost. That's an investment, time, money, etc., um, but there's also there's loads of student clinics across the UK and in other countries as well. So, you know, if cost is an issue, then just look for places where people do acupuncture degrees and diplomas or where people are training as nutritionists because they're always wanting people to come in um, and, you know, and give the student practitioners Um, that opportunity to be learning and having that time and they're amazing at what they do and usually it's like 10 pounds for that and then you're getting that direct information of this is what you need to buy or you're having a treatment for 10 pounds versus you know whatever else it's costing privately so that's that's always my preference but you know there are lots of other things that can be done 
um, as well. I guess that's the thing with this is it is so personal and I suppose experimental as well because something that you said before which has really like stuck with me and then kind of made me excited and really sad at the same time I'm having a bit of an existential is that periods can be exacerbated by the, the stress that you're under or the responsibilities that you have or I mean it's all like circumstantial but so much of that feels so gendered in that we know that so much of the unpaid labour and whatever it, it does fall on us so good that like the the, the, there's hope that like boundaries are going to actually help our physical symptoms and like you know we we have to prioritize ourselves in order to prioritize our health and like that feels very empowering but on a realistic level that feels very very scary and difficult and kind of a bit impossible why does it feel scary and difficult Oh God, because if I didn't, if I wasn't responsible for everything, then everything would fall apart. So I feel like my womb just has to be collateral because I'm a people pleaser. Do you see what I mean about what we, what I just said about yeah. that acceptance <laughs> of like, what are yeah. you willing to accept and what are you not willing to accept? And this is what yeah. I coach my clients on all the time is mm. that over responsibility for other people and that need that urge to swoop in and save people but the only reason we do that is because we are unwilling to sit with the discomfort of not doing that yes that's very true I do not want to sit with that discomfort yeah so if you're going to be uncomfortable either way and you've got the discomfort of horrific periods for example versus the discomfort that comes up in the moment of holding back from doing something that you've been socialized to do, but you actually have no business doing and you don't want to, then you just have to make that choice in the moment. Which discomfort am I going to go with? Yeah. Wow. I guess, I mean, wow. that's, I know. <laughs> My but brain. then just to bring myself into this way too much, and I apologize, <laughs> I don't have terrible periods, but I think a massive part of that is because I didn't have periods for like seven years years I had the marina coil and I didn't have periods and then before that I had the pill and I would like back to back them I I just I wasn't responsible with with my menstruation um and I wonder how you feel about contraception and how you feel about hormonal contraception given that your attitude towards your health now is so holistic yeah I mean I went on the pill um, as a teenager, I think just before I turned 16 for a combo of, well, I've got bad period pain. So, you know, the doctor's saying this will help with that. And it does because it stops you from having periods. You know, you just have withdrawal bleeds as opposed to actual periods. Um, and also for contraceptive reasons as well. And, you know, my experience of it was I was depressed I had no interest in sex or intimacy whatsoever. So in actual fact, it's very effective as a form of contraception, um, <laughs> more so than the reasons that it's meant to. Um, so, you know, that's my personal experience. Um, and, you know, some people do really well on hormonal contraception. Um, some people do well on, you know, copper coil, etc. There's all There's all sorts of options out there. My personal and professional opinion is it can feel like we're picking the best of a bad bunch right when it comes to contraception and like that there's um you know it's like which downside do you want to opt for and you know I think 
we need more options. We need better options. Even when it comes to like accessibility of the options that we have can be an issue for some people, depending on, you know, where they are and the reproductive issues that are going on um, in their area, in their country, access to services, etc. So, you know, I'm not anti-hormonal um, contraception, for example, because everything, you know, everything can be used well at appropriate times. But what I often find is that people are taking it because of a lack of support with the issue that they actually want help with. So, you know, it's being used to manage symptoms, but it's not actually treating symptoms. And I think that's the issue with the language that's used around it is like, oh, I took, I take the pill to treat my period pain, for example, or I take the pill to treat my irregular cycles. And it's not treating them. And it just stops you from having a cycle in the first place and stops you from having periods. So, and then what happens when someone wants to come off for whatever reason, and then they're still faced with that issue. And, you know, I'm all for, I think sometimes, sometimes people just need a break and like a kind of reset of something that's going on. Um, and that can be due to physical reasons. It can be to like um, mood issues in the second half of the cycle or, you know, somewhat, you can have stuff happen in relation to your menstrual cycle that isn't actually a menstrual cycle issue, but your cycle exacerbates the issue that you have. So for example, and I wouldn't like to describe this as an issue, but I'm autistic and my experience of the, being autistic is exacerbated by the second half of my cycle. Okay. Right. And it can be for like um, mental health conditions, digestive issues. There's all sorts of things that are, um, you know, have a relationship to the cycle. And sometimes people just need a break from that. And if you, mm. if there aren't other options available to you because you don't know what they are because your doctor doesn't know what they are or they're just not available to you even if you do know what they are. Then I totally get why taking the pill for an amount of time is is the option or maybe the only option that people go with. Right, so if you're on the pill and you're only getting a withdrawal bleed, not a period, do you still go through the season which we are going to get onto like really soon do you still go through the seasons of a cycle with the withdrawal bleed and do you still have the those hormones that fluctuate no you don't no oh wow no. okay so it's a straightforward bleed no necessarily no mood changes no hormonal changes no it's just like you're because you're taking hormones you know that just they suppress the cycle and then keep right. those hormones at a you know certain level so you're just doing right. that and then you stop taking the pill or you take the um you know like the dummy pills in the pack yeah and then that's enough to to cause you to have um uh bleed withdrawal bleeding and then you go back to taking them so right. you know some people will say that they still feel like they experience somewhat of um you know, hormonal shifts. Um, but but on the whole, it's, yeah. um, I would say most people don't. 
and that that can be like a really good thing for some people who are, yeah. who are wanting that and for but then even if even for someone i think that that is a relief and it is something that they're wanting it can also result in them just feeling a bit numb and a bit kind of cut off from yeah. their experience of living so you know swings and roundabouts <laughs> 
the menstrual cycle, especially like premenstrually, or um, becoming a parent, having a small child and all those things. It may seem like those things, those hormonal states exacerbate things and bring things to the surface. I think those things are always there. But our hormones are just helping us. It's like they're just kind of like stoking the fire to actually express them Mm. instead of just swallowing it and minimizing it and being like, oh, no, I'll just do this. Like, no, let's actually just say I don't like it when you do that. Like in the very, do you see how like when I said that, it's very clear I'm not happy about something. Mm. I'm expressing it, but it's not, it's not a big deal. Someone's going to hear the tone in what I'm saying, but it can be just as clean as that. So I did a podcast recently about anger and about like being like clean expression of anger and how it's corrective and protective And it can be a thing of beauty when we just let it out and say it. But without a way that's like going to like intentionally cause someone harm, we're just like, I'm not cool with that. We need to sort something out here because I don't want this to keep going on. It's going to be detrimental to our relationship or our situation, whatever it is. This is something that needs to be addressed because anger is an emotion that is helping us to see something's not right and it needs to be addressed and changed. So I love it when my clients tell me, oh, I'm getting angry about this. I'm like, yes, because how many of us have had like healthy, deliberate, skilled use of anger, like modeled to us? We don't have that. Yeah, I do like this. And it's a bit overwhelming, but I... I just feel like I'm feeling a lot more. And I think a lot of that has been maybe being, becoming a mother. I feel in lots of ways, like it was what I was born to do or, or whatever cheesy shit you want to say. But like, I I've, I feel like I'm really coming into myself. But I think a big, I, I do believe a big part of that is hormonal related. And I'm not having periods yet because I'm still breastfeeding, but I'm really looking forward to having them again so that I can track this because I think it's an amazing way of getting to know yourself. And obviously your work really highlights that. And I know so many women in my real life who track and know themselves so well and they're so boundaried because of it. And they know, no, I'm not doing this because I'm on my period. And no, I'm, yes, like I can do this because I'm ovulating or whatever. And I'm like, what language are you speaking? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but with f- for those of us who don't know what language they're speaking, would you mind talking us through the seasons and like the, the parts of our cycle and what we could expect to feel at different points within that? Yeah, sure. So I'll give you like a really brief summary of of each of the seasons. So um, the way to think about it is um, when when your cycle starts, that means when your period begins, um, around that time, your hormone levels are relatively low. So this is the the inner season of winter. And then as you um, come out of your period into that pre-ovulation phase of the cycle, that's the inner spring. So we get a gradual increase in hormone levels um, and then hormone levels peak in the run up to ovulation. So that is the inner summer. 
And then the premenstrual phase, whichever point you feel you enter the premenstrual phase, be it immediately after ovulation or a week before your period starts, that's the the inner autumn. Um, And so really, this just gives us an amazing language to talk about our experience of the cycle, because we can say, oh, you know, I'm in my summer, the ovulation phase. This is when, for example, I feel more confident, more up for taking risks. Um, And this has, you know, a direct correlation to you know, the whole objective of the menstrual cycle, which is to get you to go out, find a mate, have sex and procreate. So of course, in the run up to ovulation, when you are most fertile, your hormones are going to be nudging you to go out, find someone, start chatting, have sex. So of course, they're going to make you, uh, you know, more confident, more social, more outgoing, more flirty. You're going to perhaps feel better in yourself, be more attractive to others because our hormones actually make us uh, more symmetrical in the run up to ovulation (laughs) and like changes our skin, our hair, all of these things. Like literally our, our fingers, our hands get more symmetrical in the run up to ovulation. So you know, your hormones are going to be there going, oh yeah, take a risk, go out, go and talk to that guy, have sex, go and see that person. It's all, all of these things are, are going to be under the influence of hormones, you know, driving behaviour. Um, whether you, you know, want to meet someone, have sex or or have a kid, this is like what your hormones are going to be encouraging you to do. Whereas in um, in the the second phase of the cycle from ovulation to the start of your next period in the absence of pregnancy, um, then your hormones care more about whether you're safe, right? Because there's the chance at that point that you have conceived. So they want to keep you safe and go with the kind of safer option. So there's loads of research around kind of the the types of men that women are attracted to in the different phases of the cycle. So um, the research says that in a run-up to ovulation, we'll go for the kind of um, the hot guy that, you know, is maybe a great shag, but not one you want to like actually be a father figure to your kids. But then in the second half of the cycle, you're going to be more attracted to kind of the safe guy who is um, going to stick around and provide. So um, it's really interesting, just like the there's so many ways that our hormones affect us. And when you have that information, you can use it in your life, not just in terms of dating, but I've got loads of clients and readers of my books who found it beneficial when they're dating. But also in terms of, you know, work and how you approach your professional life um, and other relationships, whether it's with friends, kids, etc. So it's just when we think about the the impact of the cycle, we're just thinking, you know, how what's my experience of my cycle? Because everyone's experience is going to be different. Um, and where are the places that I struggle and, you know, where are the, the places in the cycle where I feel most like myself and where I can, you know, just enjoy being me, whatever that means. And really, that just gives us information. And the way I like to describe the cycle and tracking the cycle is to just think about it like the weather forecast. So, you know, you look at the weather forecast 
doesn't necessarily mean the weather is going to be exactly what the forecast says, but it gives you a sense of things. And, you know, much like like I'm here in Margate looking out the window and it's pissing down with rain. So, you know, knowing that it's a rainy day, which the equivalent with my cycle could be like sensory sensitivities, noise aversion, kind of wanting to be by myself. I Once I have that information, it's like, okay, am I going to cancel my plans and just stay inside and work from home? Or am I going to equip myself, like the, the equivalent of going out with an umbrella and just take care of myself so that I can still go about my day? Because I think the, the issue we can get into with menstrual cycle awareness and tracking is people start to think, oh, I have to perfectly curate my life around my cycle. And I'm all for curating your life around your cycle, but all of us, including me, have limits on how much we're able to do that. So it's not just about changing your plans. It's also thinking about what support do you need? What self-care do you need in order to still do, do those things on the days when you're not feeling fantastic? But that's what I was going to ask you. Like, How easy is it to override the hormones like I guess specifically the the bad hormones or the hormones that do, that make us feel not ourselves or or moody I guess like how easy is it to override those because you know if we can't live a life that's like perfectly curated around our cycle well I'll give you I'll give you a personal example so like I said earlier about being autistic my sensory sensory sensitivities really shift quite dramatically after ovulation and in that second half of the cycle. And, you know, there are things that I can do that support that. But on the whole, like that's the reality of my existence for that period of time. So that will just mean um, that I have communication with my partner around the childcare side of things. And, you know, I mean, we just have a rule anyway that he does all the kids' birthday parties. I don't go to kids' birthday parties unless he's really unable to do it. So, you know, he does that. But there'll just be things like, um, you know, I just make sure I've got more alone time during the day when my child is in school. Or I'll give myself like a 15-minute window between my day ending and going to pick him up from school so that I can just regulate myself and take care of myself before I walk into school and pick him up and go into mum mode. So, you know, although these things, the experience of the cycle can feel quite um, impactful, let's say, might feel quite intense, often it's these kind of like relatively little shifts that we can make that really improve the experience of the cycle. And and what I typically find in that premenstrual phase of the cycle is my clients um, doing too much and rushing. And so they just spend their whole day rushing from one thing to another, always feeling like they're behind, never tending to things. And it just like accumulates as the day goes on. And then by the time they're home with their partner in the evening or, you know, talking to their boss in the afternoon or something. There's just been like this huge build up and it just feels like the pressure is mounting in them. And then, you know, something that's maybe a bit more explosive happens, whether that's tears or yelling or, you know, just shutting down or whatever it needs to be. 
So it's just like, how can we release that pressure throughout the day? And often that's by not doing so much, saying no to things and just giving yourself pockets of time and space to recalibrate and not just be rushing around the whole time. Can I ask about how you communicate these boundaries and like this sort of thing in the context of a society that is not very good at having these conversations? So like I get within your relationship and within yourself, but if you have a job that demands more of you than you have to give at a certain point or anything like that how do you advise people navigate those situations well I think it varies a lot and I coach like a lot of my clients my membership about this like it's kind of an ongoing issue in all sorts of ways because like you said so many people um that is their reality that's what they're having to deal with so it is going to vary but I think the thing is is like First of all, is to look at the environment that you're in. Does it feel like a psychologically safe environment where you can actually share some of what's going on and express some of that vulnerability? And for for um, thankfully, quite a few of my clients, that is possible. And they were like, yeah, and they're able to actually have conversations about that. One of my clients, oh, it was amazing. She just shared in our community recently about how on her... Um, on her Slack profile, she'll add like the leaves, the emojis of leaves for the seasons so that her colleagues are able to <laughs> share because she has a very intense experience um, premenstrually. So when she has like the autumn falling leaves, they know <laughs> and then, like you know, they're able to uh, make adjustments as a team in consideration of that. Wow. So, you know, you know, there's these kind of um gentle ways of bringing it in that doesn't have to be like a sit down meeting with everyone where you tell them everything about your cycle um so things like that but there are let's face it workplace environments that are more predatorial and less supportive and i think that's where we need to be judicious in thinking about how we share what information we share and how we share it um but you know, usually my clients are able to find some way of addressing things because like I said, if we take out the menstrual cycle component of it and we just forget about hormones for a minute, the likelihood is all these issues would still be there. You know, people are still doing three jobs instead of the one job that they're paid to do. So, you know, often it's about like having those professional conversations and, you know, saying, right, current, this is my job description. Here is what's going on. And, you know, are you going to pay me for this job, all the work that I'm doing or, you know, whatever the, the conversation ends up being? So, you know, I think it's just important that we remember that there are options because I think when we're stressed, well, I know when we're stressed, we forget that we have options because we just go into like threat mode. And we perceive a threat and we get very black and white and we think, oh, no, I haven't got an option. I have to do this. And then we experience more stress, more overwhelm, and then we get burnt out and then we're having to be signed off and et cetera. The, the issue just gets exacerbated. So it's just remembering that we have got power in all of these places and that we have got options and that in itself helps us to regulate and come out of those stress responses. Going back to the cycle specifically... Generally speaking, then, is it 
autumn is the bad time. Uh, we can, yeah, in, in quotation marks, we can say <laughs> that. <laughs> autumn is when we feel, like, is when hormones negatively impact us the most. Is that right? I would say it's when when we are the versions of ourselves that society doesn't like and therefore that we find uncomfortable. I think autumn is a really powerful time when we're able to connect with that version of ourselves. But society wants us to be nice and polite and smiling and the version of us in the run-up to ovulation that's flirty and everything's okay and come and talk to me, I'll have sex with you, right? It doesn't want the autumn version of us that's like, I'm sick of things being at the bottom of the stairs. Pick up your own socks. Why is there dishes in the sink? Can I ask something about myself? Um, postpartum wise, would could that be described in any way as an autumn, like a prolonged autumn? Like, where am I at with my, am I, will it end? <laughs> how many How many weeks or, or months is your... Oh, it's been ages. It's been ages and ages. She's nearly 10 months old. Yeah, that's still early days, I would say. Is Postpartum, it? yeah. Oh, and the thing is, the thing is like, is like low hormone levels. Yeah. So it it is all it is like that then right like in a very simplistic term in a very simplistic way of thinking because that's who I have. Well, I would think of it more as like a prolonged winter going into spring. Okay, that's good. That feels hopeful. Yeah, low hormone because it is low hormone levels. I mean, you know, in terms, especially when um when someone's breastfeeding. Um, although someone's, you know, some people can be breastfeeding and their cycle will come back, you know, fairly soon. But for others, I mean, it took me kind of two, two plus years, I think. But um, when that's going on, you know, it's like, I, I remember like struggling to get up off the floor because my knees were hurting. Like, I'd get, I'd be like, just feel like an old woman. And that's mm. because there's just low levels of hormones. We haven't got estrogen, um, and it's beneficial effects on our bones, on our joints, on our cognition. So I can remember like postpartum, um, you know, trying to describe, like my partner would say, oh, where's this? And first of all, we can question why he was asking me where something was in the first place. Anyway, <laughs> we'll gloss over that for now. Um, but I remember trying to, I knew I could see where something was in my mind, but I couldn't find the words mm. to describe it and that's what estrogen gives us it gives us those verbal skills right. and ability to think wow. clearly and to communicate things so when estrogen is peaking in the run-up to ovulation that's a great time to deliver a talk or go on a podcast or mm. you know be interviewed things like that right. and that's not to say that you can't do those things at other times but they just might require a bit more of you and a bit more kind of preparation and self-care in order to do them you know, pretty smoothly. Whereas in the run up to ovulation, you, you know, testosterone has us taking risk. You're like, oh, what the hell? I can do it. I don't need to think about this too much. Let's go for it. Uh, and then, en so energy wise, is spring the best time as well then? Often people find like spring and summer, that's when, you know, mm. so uh, coming out of the period, gradually increasing energy levels and then kind of peaking around ovulation. But some people are very energized by, you know, in their autumn. And there's like a wildness and an adventure. Um, a quality of adventure can kind of come in and some people like feel very energized in their autumn. So it's not that, you know, we all have the same experience of the cycle and, you know, everyone's autumn is bad. Some people absolutely yeah. love it and feel really at home in that phase of the cycle. So, and, and it changes across our reproductive lifetime as well. I, I, 
I've never enjoyed my autumn. <laughs> I haven't had, I, I was the same as M. I had the marina coil for six years, I think. So I didn't have a period during that time. And then since I've had the marina coil out, I haven't had periods at all. Still not sure why. But I remember distinctly the autumn phase being very mentally hard. <laughs> like that feeling of kind of wanting to run away, but not knowing where to. <laughs> Yeah. Oh God, Al, that literally is me. That's how I feel all the time at the moment. <laughs> yeah, but it is. There is that need to like walk away and, mm, and, yeah. and to leave. And I actually, especially as a mum myself, I think that that being able to follow that and being able to leave and then come back is really important. Yeah. Really important, especially like, you know, if you're the primary caregiver and you're with your kids like most of the day, most of the night, all of those things get like yeah. leaving. We need to be able to do that. We need to be able to leave. Yeah, I haven't left yet. <laughs> Give me time on that. <laughs> but right, that can just be like leaving, walking around the block and coming back. Oh, yeah. No, I do leave like that. I, yeah, I just I haven't left the night yet. But that's the sort of that's the urge I'm getting. But it's it's just the way you described it, Al, like that, like all, like that feeling like like it's an overwhelming feeling like I want to go. But I and it's what you were saying before as well, maybe about like the stress that you feel and you feel like you haven't got options. And I don't know, I'm, I'm having so many light bulb moments, but what's quite interesting is before we started recording, I said to Al that I I hadn't really got my head around this sort of thing yet. And I there's still like, there's a little inner boomer in me that just thinks that we, <laughs> we need to just like get on with it. And it's so toxic. Like I hate myself for it. But sometimes when I think about it, I'm like, oh, no, mustn't grumble. Like got to crack on. It's just a period. <laughs> Half of us have them, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, and it's not good. I don't, I, it's not good. But having this conversation, it feels so freeing and amazing. But I've had to like put aside my, I guess what I've been taught, my like kind of attitude towards yeah. periods. And it's, it's a bit of a tricky one because as much as I'm like, you know, yes, take the time you need, you know, rest, um, take care of yourself during the times that are challenging. There's also like the part of me that doesn't want us to be kind of be held back by the menstrual cycle and having periods has historically and currently been used against us in all sorts of ways in terms of like our hormones make us a bit of a liability or unreliable we have like all of these things and that can be held against us professionally um in all sorts of ways so it's that kind of Yes, there are things we can do that support us, but that doesn't mean there are things that we can't do, right? And there's that kind of classic meme of anything you can do, I can do bleeding, which, you know, is true. Mm -hmm. And we can do those things and we do do those things. But are there times when it would be better for us not to? And I think that's the the power in what you're, you're saying. Like, I hear what you're saying, but the... It's so powerful that we can learn what's going on and at what times it's going on hormonally with us and learning how we can work with our hormones rather than against them and give ourselves the the leeway and the grace and space when we when we when we can yeah okay it might not always be possible but when we can and just the power of knowing I think is so 
it's it's just uh, like I said, it's like it's, it's revolutionary, totally to me at least. Like to understand yeah, all these hormone fluctuations and like why I feel like I might feel like this, and it's, it's yeah, it's it's mind blowing. Yeah, and it makes such a huge difference, you know. When I think back to when my son was quite young, and and I did have my cycle back, and had another mum mate, and she had her cycle back as well, and thankfully at that point in time our cycles were opposite so when she had her period I was ovulating and vice versa and it just meant that she would be able to send me a message going like oh I'm approaching my winter and I would know like okay Frankie can come over and have dinner with us tonight I can do stuff with the kids to give her that reprieve that she needed and then you know when it flipped around and it was me with my period she would you know do that so I think you know the we can't forget about the importance of community and that when we have community that's what enables us to really lean into these things whether that's you know other mum mates or whether it's colleagues at work you know, it's finding finding that community and support around you that enables you to live in appreciation of what's going on with your body and your cycles. And and I guess like pushing past the stigma as well around yeah. periods. I mean, I grew up in an environment that wasn't very like yeah. we didn't talk about periods. Periods didn't really exist. And if we were on our periods, we had to, you know, I, I felt like I had to hide it at all costs. I never told anyone I was on my period. And I guess that's also like a British thing as well, right? We, we're not very open like that and free. Whereas actually, as you've explained, there's such benefit from being able to express like, I'm at this point in my cycle, I just need a bit more whatever you might need so I think it's pushing past the stigma as well right yeah and I think it's just like destigmatizing it in ourselves first and just thinking like well what if this is just like the fact of the situation really and you're just telling the facts to someone else you know yeah and you know sure there might be some people it doesn't feel like that's a good idea to share it with and I think it's important to to honor that kind of inner wisdom yeah. But more often than not, I think it's like just fear of what other people will think. And if we kind of sort our own thinking out around it and think this is no big deal, this does happen to half pe- of the population, most of which will get it. But, you know, I I exist in a bit of a bubble because everyone knows my work and, you know, feels comfortable talking about these things yeah. to me. <laughs> so it is interesting when I'm in a situation where I'm around people who, don't know my work, aren't familiar with talking about the cycle, which, you know, doesn't happen that often, but sometimes it does. And I have, I started learning how to horse ride this year. And my horse riding instructor was like, oh, you're like very like soft in your hip movement today, Maisie. And I was like, oh, that's because I'm about to ovulate. So, you know, of course I'm like soft (laughs) in my pelvis. And she was like, oh, and I was like, oh yeah, (laughs) other people aren't used to talking about these things. And, you know, but it's, I think when I do have those conversations with people who who don't know, who aren't used to having those conversations themselves, I say it so matter-of-factly and like it's no big deal that I think that then influences their response. And I also know that any response they have has nothing to do with me and everything to do with them. 
So if they're uncomfortable, it's because they are uncomfortable with their body and the things that happen to it. And, you know, that's how we can, by having those conversations, just remove the shame around our bodies. This has been so amazing. I honestly, I've I feel so so good. Enlightened. Mind blown. I am. I'm really excited for my periods to come back now. I can't believe I'm saying that. I'm like, come on! I need to track you. I want natural cycles redone. Yeah. Then, I've got to get going. Can you use it when you're? Could you? Can you? Tra- you can't. Tra- There's no point. There's nothing for me to track right now, is there? On a just, just while while you're here. I mean, there are like some uh, fluctuations that go on. I think the thing that I suggest people pay attention to when they're postpartum is what's happening with their cervical fluid levels, um, because low estrogen levels usually result in having um, like vaginal dryness and kind of pain with having sex, etc. It's the same thing that happens in perimenopause once estrogen levels start to lower. So one indication that your cycle could be on its way back is if you start to notice um, an increase in cervical fluid. And um, often people say, you know, they just feel a bit of a boost in energy and mood and things like that at the same time. Yeah, I haven't had that boost yeah. yet. <laughs> Watch this space for the boost in energy. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it can kind of come in what you feel like, like maybe a little bit and then it just like needs to get yeah, to the yeah, point yeah. where it reaches the tipping point of ovulation and then a period follows after that. Well, that is something to look forward to. But I am going to devour your book. I'm so excited. Yes. And we're going to leave the link in the show notes so that others can do the same. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on and sharing. You're welcome. It's been wonderful to, to be here. Great questions. I've thoroughly enjoyed myself. Oh, good. Thank you. And yes, link to your book, Period Power, in the show notes. Thank you so much, Maisie. You're welcome. Should I delete that is part of the ACAST Creator Network. 